the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Merry Christmas, you filthy racists. In recent days, a very unexpected organization made huge waves when it released a guidebook entitled, Let's Talk About Racism. Who was the organization? What was it that did this? The Salvation Army. That's right. The Salvation Army is known to many of us in America and perhaps beyond as that organization that has bell ringers outside of many different businesses in the Christmas season. The Salvation Army solicits donations for its work and gets, according to different reports online, billions and billions of dollars in contributions as a result over the years. Salvation Army has controversial doctrine and has really drifted in recent decades into a kind of social gospel position, but that's not why it made headlines recently. In very recent days, the Salvation Army's guidebook entitled, Let's Talk About Racism, caused a firestorm of controversy. It did so because this guidebook, Let's Talk About Racism, basically adhered to what is called critical race theory. In other words, Let's Talk About Racism is a woke book. This guidebook was accompanied by another uh, pamphlet or resource called Study Guide on Racism. According to National Review, the Study Guide on Racism argued that white people have, quote unquote, unconscious bias. That is, white people, these are my words, are basically unconsciously racist and so need to take Uh, major steps to counteract this part of their being. The study guide on racism uh, from the Salvation Army reads as follows. The subtle nature of racism is such that people who are not consciously racist easily function with the privileges, empowerment, and benefits of the dominant ethnicity, thus unintentionally perpetuating injustice. That, in a nutshell, is classic critical race theory, and woke ideology. You couldn't really get a more accurate sentence that sums up the core idea of this evil anti-gospel system than that. Racism, this is my extrapolation, racism is not just conscious acts or words that feature one person treating someone else from a different background worse than someone who shares the background of the accuser. No, racism is also has this second dimension where you may not even know that you're racist, but by virtue of belonging to a certain group, in this instance, white people, you are part of the racial power majority 
And whether you are aware of it or not, you perpetuate injustice and power over people of color. And so you can be a racist in the more commonly understood way through conscious decisions, words, speech, actions, these sorts of things. But you can absolutely be a racist in the second way, the newer way that is derived from the key tenets of critical race theory and woke ideology. You can be unintentionally, even unconsciously racist by virtue of being part of the racial power majority. You could be forgiven for thinking that this is not the normal territory of the Salvation Army, but indeed the Salvation Army has gone all in, it appears, on critical race theory and woke ideology. At the end of its study guide on racism, as an example, the Salvation Army lists a glossary of terms. These terms are straight out of the woke playbook, anti-racist, colonizer, domestic terrorism, fascism, inclusion, institutional racism, microaggressions, systemic racism, and whiteness. National Review has done good work here, as has the Western Journal, in reporting on these matters. It is very clear that the Salvation Army has gone woke. It is clear as crystal. You might think of the Salvation Army, as I have said, for those folks who ring the bells and ostensibly do charitable work. But the Salvation Army of today, of 2021, is not the Salvation Army of yesteryear. Now, we should observe that the Salvation Army punched back against its critics, who called out the Salvation Army for its woke positions. Salvation Army released a statement in which they said this. Some individuals and groups have recently attempted to mislabel our organization to serve their own agendas. They have claimed that we believe our donors should apologize for their skin color, that the Salvation Army believes America is an inherently racist society, and that we have abandoned our Christian faith for one ideology or another. Those claims, the Army says, are simply false, and they distort the very goal of our work. The Salvation Army uh, very much pushed back, very forceful statement uh, against its critics on these counts, and did say that it was withdrawing uh, the guidebook in question, let's talk about racism as the title, that caused the furor. But here's the reality, friends. You should know that the Salvation Army has not only said these controversial matters in let's talk about racism, the Salvation Army statements and uh, materials that you can find easily online are shot through with wokeness. There's not one uh, problematic statement in one document that has been misunderstood or misinterpreted. In, in actuality, I don't know anything about the internal workings of the Salvation Army, but it is quite clear if you survey different materials that whoever it is who is producing this content on behalf of the Salvation Army is absolutely bought in to woke ideology. If, if you're familiar with these matters, as I am, having written a book called Christianity and Wokeness that is in its entirety uh, about these uh, discussions, then you will see immediately that the Salvation Army's 
committee or individuals or team that has produced this material is absolutely without a doubt bought in to critical race theory slash wokeness slash intersectionality. For example, here's what the Salvation Army has said in another place. Racism is not only the result of individual attitudes, but can also be perpetuated by social structures and systems. Sometimes racism is overt and intentional, but often it is not. For many people, decades of racist structures and prejudices have created intergenerational effects and disadvantages. This can be so entrenched in institutions and culture that people can unwittingly perpetuate racial division. This uh, comes from the positional statement on racism from the Salvation Army. You can find similar quotations elsewhere uh, from the Salvation Army. But even if the Salvation Army has retracted their recent guidebook that caused the firestorm, the positional statement on racism is no uh, blushing document. It is very clear that uh, racial discrimination has this neo-Marxist kind of grounding. In other words, said more clearly, the Salvation Army is, has embraced a woke position on racism. Everyone is against so-called racism. Everyone should be. I don't believe in the concept of race, but I absolutely do believe that no one should be partial to anyone else. In other words, no one should treat any human being worse than any other human being for any factor including skin color, including heritage or background. So in that sense, every Christian is implacably opposed to partiality, the, the, really the broader term under which we would subsume ethnocentrism, or if you want to use this term, racism. So everyone who is really a, a functioning human being should be against partiality and what is called racism. And certainly every Christian is absolutely uh, opposed to it. But that's not what is in question here. The Salvation Army is not articulating the commonly understood uh, position on racism. The Salvation Army is articulating a woke position on racism. You need to understand this, that today, as I make clear in my book, today there are really two different understandings of racism. They overlap but fundamentally, what many people would hold as racism or ethnocentrism, because the Bible does teach ethnicity, laos and ethne, for example, are terms used throughout the New Testament. So we do have a biblical category for ethnicity. But what, what the Bible uh, condemns in those terms, both sides agree on, the unwoke and the woke. But then there is this second dimension that I have already surfaced that we do not affirm as Christians, we should not affirm, we must not affirm. And that is this neo-Marxist conception of racism, where it is structural, systemic, baked into the very fabric of having a certain skin color, belonging to a certain group in society. That is not taught in scripture. That is not a part of Christian doctrine and worldview. And we should reject it in full. We need to make clear that sin can and does go public. Of course it does. Sin can be perpetuated through evil laws. Sin can be perpetuated through evil rulers. Think about in this Christmas season, a text like Matthew 2, 16 to 18. I'll read it. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, 
became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. What is happening in Matthew 2? What's happening is that an evil, evil ruler enacts a campaign of murder against the boys of Bethlehem. What are we seeing in this text, as we see in many texts throughout the Old and New Testament? We're seeing public wickedness. We're seeing a ruler, as I say, perpetuate an evil policy under his rule. We, as Christians, know that evil takes public form. We have no trouble confessing that. We think, for example, today about how abortion is legal in America. We recognize that over 60 million babies have been aborted in this country. If you want to talk about a genocide, we have seen the so-called most civilized nation in world history, at least in this era, so-called, enact a campaign of ongoing slaughter of its youth of its most precious individuals, children, those who do not need to be targeted, but desperately need protection and love. So when we look at abortion on the books as part of public law, what do we recognize? We recognize that is sin that has taken distinctly public and political form. Sin can and does go public. We know this in terms of evil policies toward African Americans, toward people of color in days past in American history. Again, if you'd like some more material on that, my working through that, you can check out the book I mentioned earlier, Christianity and Wokeness. Chapter 7, for example, handles uh, so-called hard questions of American history. And other matters. We need to handle these things and we need to make clear statements uh, about the sinfulness that is in every human heart, the sinfulness that is in every civilization, and the sure reality that sin can and does go public in a fallen world. But that is altogether different from buying into a neo Marxist worldview which believes in the concept of systemic racism such that you have racism in a society not through definable policies, laws, and rulers, but through people belonging to a group that is itself the privileged group. And thus, no matter what those individuals do, they are guilty of that evil. That is not what Scripture affirms. Scripture holds the individual accountable. If people participate in evil that has public form, then they are guilty. Make no mistake about it. But so-called white people are not going to find themselves condemned according to the word of God and its doctrines by virtue of the color of their skin. If so-called white people do participate in 
partial ways, partial policies that are wickedly oppressive of other people than they have sinned to repent of. But no so-called white person has sinned to repent of simply by virtue of having so-called white skin. Let me sharpen that just for the purposes of clarity. You are not guilty of any sin for being a white person. Let me turn it around. I'm very glad to. You are not guilty of any sin by virtue of having any skin color. You are not guilty of sin by virtue of living in any region. Extra special sin, I mean. We are all guilty in Adam, make no mistake. But that is not the same as identifying us, any person, as sinful because of some inborn trait they have outside of, we're talking about a sin nature. You're not a sinner because you're born, you're not a special sinner, let me say, because you're born in the north or the south or the east or the west. You're not a special, extra, specially bad sinner because you have uh, a certain skin color. You're not an extra, specially bad sinner because you have a given dialect. We could go on and on, but the point should be simple. In American terms, we are focusing on why whiteness is not fundamentally extra specially evil, not because we are hopped up about defending the so-called white race or something like this. It is because so-called white people, whiteness as a construct, is absolutely being put into public discourse as really the central problem, the central evil of our society. That is why we are at the wall to speak against this. It's not because so-called white people are inherently sainted. No person of any skin color is better or worse than any other person of any other skin color. It is because wokeness is creating an absolute rebellion and societal overthrow attempt under the name of anti-racism. And what that ends up meaning is targeting white people as racist. Where it really goes is that white people are white supremacists. They may not mean to be. They may not know that they are. It doesn't matter. White people are white supremacists. And that is how you understand that wokeness is absolutely bonkers. Critical race theory is not in any sense a positive contribution to Western society and Western thought. If you don't hear it this clearly from other Christian leaders, I pray you do. Critical race theory is a tool, yes. But what kind of tool? It is a tool of division. It is a tool of condemnation. It is a tool of hostility. It is a tool that the devil himself loves to wield. Critical race theory, wokeness, and intersectionality should absolutely be rejected by the church. These ideologies, which really run together in so many different ways, are absolutely that kind of system or ideology, lofty opinion, that in 2 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul tells us, he seeks to destroy. He does not accommodate 
ungodly opinions, ideologies. He, he does not contextualize them, effectively blending them with Christianity. He does not try to merge them with biblical Christianity. He tells us that he seeks to destroy them because they are those systems, we infer, that will destroy those who believe them. We know this as well from Colossians 2.8, that there are evil teachers, false teachers, who seek to take people captive by their godless ideologies. And the Apostle Paul in Colossians, in the book of Colossians, tells that church not to let that happen. So, there's been a tremendous amount of confusion in evangelical circles over these matters in recent years. The church has suffered tremendously from a lack of courageous clarity on these matters. Thank God we now have many different watchmen on the wall who do understand that these ideologies are anti-gospel and are speaking against them and are protecting the sheep and love in doing so. And as you've probably heard me say on this podcast before, if you are under a compromised shepherd, one who is not seeking to destroy this evil ideological stronghold, you need to find a shepherd who is. You need to put your children, you need to put your spouse, you need to put you yourself under the watch care of a true shepherd who will strive to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Titus 1.9 You cannot do 50% of that apostolic mandate, speaking of what elders do in Titus 1. You cannot only give instruction and sound doctrine if you are to honor the office of teacher and elder of the church. You also have to rebuke those, those who contradict sound doctrine. And this is where we see that we desperately need more men, and I do mean men, to stand up and to speak, to be clear, to be courageous in the power of God, to be fearless in the name of Jesus Christ, and to distinguish the truth from lies. In closing, this strange fracas regarding the Salvation Army reminds us that today, we are in an all-out food fight for the existence of our Christian institutions and for the existence of our civilizational institutions. I have serious concerns about the Salvation Army, as I have already mentioned. So I'm not doing a deep dive on that organization. But nonetheless, this is a useful object lesson for us today. In understanding that truly this evil anti gospel ideology is everywhere. It is testing the fence of every church, every organization, every institution, every school, every family, and on it goes. 
this is the way it works in human history under God's sovereign oversight. There are ideologies that arise in a given time and by the power of the devil, not a sovereign power, not a divine power, and yet nonetheless, a real delegated power of the devil that is hard to understand from human perspective, those ideologies advance. They take many people captive. If you study history for about 10 minutes or so, you will understand this recurs throughout human history. There are generational challenges that pop up that must continually be answered. They must, of course, be answered in terms of the local church by elders, by pastors. And then in a common grace sense, they must be be answered out of the love of neighbor. Love of neighbor demands that Christians will speak up on behalf even of their unbelieving neighbor, in order that their neighbor would not be destroyed by the devil. Obviously, we can't save anyone. Obviously, our efforts can only go so far in many cases. And yet, love of neighbor demands, and I do mean demands, that Christians act as salt and light in the public square. And that does not only mean what many Christians often seem to think it means. Something like baking double fudge brownies for the neighbor that just moved in down the street. That sounds delicious. You should do that if you can. But love of neighbor means far, far more than that. Part of what it means is that the the Christian church with men leading out at the forefront speak up on behalf of those who are even in a, again, a common grace and public square sense in danger from terribly evil ideologies. You think of communism, you think of socialism in the 20th century, and even where different voices arose and spoke against those ideologies who were not Christian, those voices were not Christian, you're thankful that they did so in a common grace sense. It's not ultimate Christian activity. Only born-again believers consciously work in the public square and all of life to the glory of God, but you are nonetheless thankful, profoundly thankful to God that there are, under the sovereignty of God, different individuals who will speak up against what is evil. Christians, as I say, need to do this, not out of anger or out of hatred, but out of the second greatest commandment, seeking and striving to fulfill it loving your neighbor as yourself. So remember this. This is going to keep occurring. We're going to keep seeing this happen in both the public square and in the religious world. It's already been happening for several years. Know the playbook. Study what is happening. Read up on these things. Identify the language that is used to be purportedly anti-racist. You will see that there is indeed a broader strategy that is being executed against humanity. It is not a strategy that kingdom-minded Christians should embrace in any form. It is a strategy that we should oppose to the full. In coming episodes, I'm going to do 
um, something I haven't done a lot on this podcast. I'm going to kind of walk through, not in a preaching sense, but walk through several chapters from the book of Daniel. I've been in Daniel in my devotions recently. My wife and I have had numerous great conversations about just how spectacularly encouraging Daniel and his friends are to us. And I want to try to encourage you along those lines in a very humble and small way as we do on the antithesis. Suffice it to say, we need to be Christians who are not soft targets. We need to be Christians who are understanding the times like the men of Issachar and know the word and stand on that basis and proclaim the truth, speaking the truth in love. As we conclude, it's very strange to see, by the way, the Salvation Army, which is ostensibly fundraising, go to war against many people in this society, at least in terms of the structure of ideology. It's extremely odd to try to raise money to draw the quarters and dollar bills of many white people, so-called, at the same time that you are calling those white people functionally, structurally racist. The Salvation Army has not come out and made those claims as explicit as it could, and yet if you nonetheless read the positional statement on racism and other documents from the Salvation Army, as we covered earlier in this podcast, you will very much understand that this is precisely where this ideology takes you. It takes you to the affirmation that white people are inherently racist as those who benefit from the structural makeup of this racist society. And thus, the charge of white people as white supremacists is fully funded by wokeness, critical race theory, and intersectionality. And that, I repeat myself, as I said recently uh, to Tony Perkins on his radio program, is a very strange fundraising strategy indeed. Merry Christmas, you filthy racists. That is effectively what it translates, though those words have not been formally said. Well, we as the church have something far, far better to say. We can indeed say Merry Christmas, and we can recognize that every person by nature is a sinner in desperate need of God's grace. But we do not make the terrible mistake, the evil mistake of condemning any person as racist on the basis of their inborn traits, on the basis, as I have said, as one example, of their skin color. Instead, we offer people in this season and every season the hope of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. Come to Jesus Christ. Be born again and know his beauty, freedom, grace, and truth. Now that is a message worth ringing a bell over.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.